Nick Bob podcast. Again, we are powered by Pella Windows and Doors. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. Need some new windows, some new doors. Take it from me, someone that has worked with Pella, had them put some new windows in a new front door in my house. They are fantastic. Check out the showrooms, Omaha and Lincoln, PellaOmaha.com. And we're powered by Shoot360 Lincoln, the world's most advanced basketball training facility. Uh, yours truly and my brother are the owners at Shoot360. Uh, it is going fantastic. We've been over about uh, almost two months now. And uh, by the way, if you're looking for a great Christmas gift, how about a Shoot360 membership right now? If you pay up front, you can get an extra month free. So memberships would start January 1st. You get a either there's two-month membership options, four-month membership options, or seven-month membership options for a nice little uh, old Jolly St. Nick Christmas gift. Give the gift of Shoot360 being a member to that basketball lover in your life. You can contact our GM, Brian Aguilar, at Shoot360Lincoln.com. That's Brian.Aguilar, A-G-U-I-L-A-R, at Shoot360Lincoln.com. And hoops, speaking of hoops, that's where we're going to spend uh, this, this pod on. A uh, little recap of Creighton and Nebraska. Domination from the Blue Jays in Lincoln, 89 to 60 is your final score. And the Jays obviously got a little bit of revenge uh, for what happened last year in Omaha with Nebraska coming to CHI Health Center and knocking off uh, the Blue Jays. You know, th- this game had some surprising things in it and then some not-so-surprising things uh, a- as well. I-, I don't know if anyone totally saw a blowout coming with this one. I know I didn't qu- quite see it unfolding like it it did, but but I will say this before I kind of lay out my thoughts on exactly how this game unfolded. So I had a crazy uh, I had a crazy week with with college basketball travel and all the games. I had four games in six days, and and I had a crazy travel weekend. So I called uh, TCU at Georgetown on Saturday night, Big East Big Twelve uh, battle. And so I I called that in Washington, D.C. on Saturday night. After the game, I flew from D.C. to Chicago, spent the night in the uh, Hilton O'Hare attached to the Chicago O'Hare Airport, and then woke up and flew early uh, from from Chicago to Lincoln on Sunday morning. And on my flight from D.C. to Chicago on Saturday night, I downloaded and rewatched last year's Creighton-Nebraska game. And... Just wanted to see what, you know, what the game looked like. And, you know, because obviously you're going to be able to see a lot of the same, you know, Shireman's on the floor, Kalkbrenner's on the floor, uh, you know, how, how Creighton's running action, how Nebraska's defending and all those sorts of things. And I, I wanted to rewatch it, just see if I could pick up anything. And I will say this, a year later watching that game, I think my prevailing takeaway was I was shocked at how wide open Creighton's three-point shots were in that game. And Creighton just missed them. Creighton was ice cold a year ago. They went 10 for 40 from three. And while this isn't meant to retroactively like take away from anything with, with Nebraska's win a year ago, is a hell of a win. Nebraska played harder. Derek Walker and Sam Greasel were the two best players on the floor. Walker kicked Kalkbrenner's ass, especially in the first half. Sam Greasel closed the game out. 
not taking anything away from how that win was was uh, was a big one for Nebraska. But I was just struck rewatching last year's game at how good of shots Creighton got, and just how wide open, not kind of open. Oh, it was kind of no wide open. Creighton's three point looks were in that game. And so I watched that, and that was my main takeaway. That stuck with me. So I went into this game kind of thinking to myself, well, I think Creighton's going to get open threes. And if Creighton's making them, there is a version of this game that maybe doesn't go very well for Nebraska. Well, fast forward to Sunday afternoon, and to a certain degree, that's kind of what happened. Creighton got open threes, and they knocked them down when they mattered. It's funny, Creighton finished 14 for 40 from three, so really only four made threes better, but Creighton was 10 for 23 from three in the first half, which mattered the most. And in particular, Baylor Shireman made six threes in the first half and was the best player on the floor. And when you think about those threes, In all reality, if Creighton wouldn't have gone completely cold in the second half from three, they could have hung 100-plus on Nebraska easy. And conversely, Nebraska was ice cold from three. Nebraska finished two of 22 from beyond the arc. So Creighton outscored Nebraska from the three-point line 42-6. to So, I mean, the reality is... when there obviously was more to to the game than just that, but to a large degree, that's that was the game right there. That was the game. Nebraska did a poor job defending the three-point line, and Creighton made Nebraska pay. And then conversely, Creighton did a good job in how they kind of approached the three-point line defensively. They did a really good job of running Tominaga off the three-point line and then they dared certain guys to make threes, and they couldn't do it. Creighton played way off of Josiah Alec and way off of Jawan Gary and said, go ahead, have at it, take as many threes as you want. We'll live with the results. And combined, those two guys were 0 for. They were 0 for 6. And, and it kind of knocked, the, knocked the, the, the rhythm out of both those dudes. So, again... To a certain degree, the three-point line and the three-point discrepancy was the biggest thing with this game. Like, if you had to sum up, hey, what happened in this game? Well, threes. Threes were, were probably the biggest thing. But there were, there were some other things at play as well. First of all, if, when you look at it from Nebraska's perspective, Nebraska defensively, and I've talked about this and I've raved about this, Nebraska defensively has been pretty damn good over the course of the last 40 games or so. So really since the start of last year, Nebraska kind of revamped their defensive system, revamped their philosophy, and they've become pretty much a defensive-led team. And it's served them well for the most part. Going back to last year, the way they finished last year, and then how they've started this year. It's served them well for the most part. But it was interesting. I thought this game... Was a, was a fascinating window into two different defensive approaches and defensive philosophies. Nebraska is a team 
that defensively is kind of, we're going to do what we do team. They have their system. They have their rules. They have their way they handle certain actions. And basically, regardless of who's involved, they are going to execute their defensive system based on their rules and handle things the same way. And conversely, Creighton is a way more scouting report specific defensive team. They will play off certain players, just straight up won't guard them. They will dare certain players to, to make shots and take those, those help defenders and plug up the lane. They'll maybe go over ball screens on certain guys and under on others. They'll switch some screens and not some others. There are certain players they're going to really stay attached to and chase them everywhere. And I thought, at least for this game, Creighton's philosophy and approach ended up working out at a, at a higher level. So, and I know this doesn't necessarily play well, but I've tried to describe it before. Uh, on It doesn't really play well on, on a podcast, but Nebraska's defensive system has rules and basically regardless of who's involved, they handle things the same way every time. So ball screen, help side defense, post entries, penetration to the baseline, et cetera, et cetera. All those things for Nebraska's defensive system are going to be handled the same way regardless if they're playing Stony Brook or Creighton. And a big part of their system defensively is loading to the ball so wherever the ball's at, if it's on the right side of the floor, they're really going to flood that side of the floor. If the ball's driven into the paint, they're really going to flood into the paint. The, a big part of it is selling out to protect the lane, protect the paint, or p- the paint, and really collapsing on penetration. They will always overhelp to the paint and to the rim over staying attached to the three-point line. And then they're rotating out of it. So when there is a ball screen and Kalkbrenner's rolling to the basket, the help side defenders are going to sink all the way into the lane to protect the roll. Or when there is baseline penetration, the help side defenders are going to fully rotate to ideally outside of even the far lane line to trap the ball handler. And then they'll just have to scramble out of it. So obviously when they do those things, you leave the three-point line on the opposite side of the floor wide open. Well, Creighton was able to take advantage of that. They were able to consistently get Nebraska's defense into rotations towards the middle of the floor, towards one side of the floor, and get their shooters on on the weak side wide open threes. And Creighton, in particular in the first half, knock down their threes. I thought Nebraska maybe needed to have a little bit more game-specific elements to their defensive game plan and how they executed it. That was just me. I mean, because going into this game, I mean, it's pretty clear, like, transition defense for Creighton, when you go against Creighton, at at a premium, right? But the other thing is, you better be ready to defend the three-point line. Creighton ranks 23rd nationally in three-point percentage, but more importantly, Creighton ranks third nationally in percentage of shots from three, 
51% of their field goal attempts are threes. And then Creighton ranks second nationally in percentage of total points scored from three. Almost 44% of Creighton's points come from threes. So it is pretty clear what Creighton is trying to do and what they are best at, shooting threes. And yet, time and time again, Nebraska kept leaving Creighton's three-point shooters open for threes. Now, I get it if Nate Linzer and Adam Howard and Fred Hoiberg were sitting here, they'd be like, Nick, I mean, what we're trying to do ideally is like we want to defend and take away both. We want to collapse and take away the paint and then recover to the three-point line and at the very least have all these threes be contested. And I get that. I get it. But that wasn't happening on Sunday for Nebraska. And I thought... For me, Nebraska needed to just do a better job of running Creighton off the three-point line. Like, I mean, I get that if you're guarding someone in the corner and there is a pick and roll on the opposite side that, you you know, you're supposed to full help into the paint. Like, that's what the defensive rules and system for Nebraska's way of doing things calls for. But what if you're guarding Baylor Shireman and he's hit five threes? What, 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 What about that? Still leaving him? I think he should maybe stay attached to him. So I just think there should have been a little bit more variance into what Nebraska was doing defensively in terms of defending the three. Just the pure fact, and I kept saying this on the air, just the pure fact, to me, the stat of the game, the fact that Baylor Shireman was able to shoot 19 threes in this game is an indictment on Nebraska's defense. How on earth can you let Creighton's top three-point shooter on the season attempt 19 threes? And listen, that is an astonishing amount. Nebraska shot 22 for the game. Shireman shot 19 himself. And listen, it wasn't like he took a bunch of off-the-dribble, super-contested threes. He took a lot of in-rhythm, ball kicked out, ball reversed, ball swung, wide open threes. How? I just kept on like, I'm sitting there on on, uh, courtside and I'm like, how is it? What is, really? You're going to leave him open again? Shireman finished six of 19 from three and had 24 points. And if he wouldn't have been cold in the second half and not had a couple of shots, literally toilet bowl in and out, he honestly could have hit 12 or 13 threes and had 40. I just thought Nebraska's attention to detail and urgency to defend the three-point line, and in particular Shireman, wasn't very good at all. And while some of it is kind of this Nebraska kind of doing what they do with their system, they're going to collapse, they're going to overhelp, they're going to rotate, It also there also was some mental mistakes too. Like Nebraska went under a couple of handoffs on Shireman. C.J. Wilcher went under a few. It's like, whoa, what are you doing there? Nebraska helped off Shireman on simple rotations on swings and even just let him dribble into a three in the first half. Jawan Gary let Shireman just dribble up the floor right to the three-point line, no hand up, line up, and shoot a three. So there were some mental mistakes as well. And credit Shireman for foot on the gas, going for the jugular. But, man, when Creighton is involved, the three-point line is almost always going to loom large, 
and it did in this game. Nebraska didn't do a good job defending the three, and Creighton, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country, made their open looks when it mattered in this one. So from a broad sense, that that was one of the the first things I wanted to kind of lay out. The three-point line, how how Creighton got so many shots, Nebraska's approach, what they could have done better, what they could have done different, and then you got to tip your cap to Creighton for executing, exploiting some of of the things that Nebraska was going to do and and getting open looks. A couple other things with this game. You know, in a rivalry game, hustle plays, 50-50 loose balls, rebounding, all are going to be really, really important. And I thought Creighton won all those areas. Creighton got more loose balls. Creighton out-rebounded Nebraska 48-37. to Creighton had more second chance points. And the reality is Nebraska needed to win those areas emphatically, and Creighton did. Nebraska needed to turn that game into a physical fist fight and win all the hustle plays, and they didn't do it. And what's interesting for me is, like, surprisingly, if you've listened to me over the past year on this podcast and on the air when I've done Nebraska games, I have raved about Nebraska's effort and fight and physicality. I've talked about how they've established that standard and it's amazing how hard they play and fly around and communicate and all that stuff. This was the first game for Nebraska in a really, really, really long time where I didn't think Nebraska played hard enough, which really surprised me. Not only because they'd been great in this area for over a year, but also because it was a rivalry game at home in front of a packed house. Now, maybe missing shots impacted Nebraska's intensity on defense, which can happen to teams, but I've also seen this team, this Nebraska team, go on long scoring droughts and miss shots and stay locked in on defense. I did that, what, that Ryder game. Nebraska was struggling to score earlier in the year for a, for a good stretch, but they held Ryder scoreless for like nine minutes. Now, maybe the difference is that's Ryder and this is Creighton, that, that could absolutely be the case. Nebraska's, I think, strength of schedule heading into this game, into the Creighton game, was 351 out of 362. So, you know, I mean, it's no secret they haven't played the toughest schedule in the world, but I also know what good effort and intensity and in flying around looks like. Nebraska had had it, and they didn't have it to the degree that it needed to be against Creighton. So I was surprised by that. Conversely, I was impressed with Creighton in all of those areas. I was I was real curious if if Creighton could find that grit and they did. I th- I th- just thought Creighton handled the emotions of the day way better. Which is always critical in this game. I've played in this game. I have been around this game as a broadcaster for a long time. Like this game, how you handle those emotions matters a ton. And I thought Creighton won that area big time. Creighton's experience and age, I think, helped him. You could just Trey Alexander, Baylor Shireman, Ryan Kalkbrenner, Stephen Ashworth, Francisco Farabello, those guys have been there, done that. All those guys are seniors. Trey's a junior, but you know, all those guys are are experienced, NCAA tournament games, big moments. I just thought like all those guys, all like that. Ashworth, Kalkbrenner, Trey Alexander, Shireman, they came out. They were cool hand Luke, man, just chilling. 
And I thought Nebraska played a little tight. And it's just unfortunate because that crowd, man, I, I was – some ways I was just – I was so disappointed with how that game unfolded because I was like, I wanted to see – I wanted to see a great game. I wanted the crowd to be like really revved into it the whole time. And Creighton came out and just – Seize control of the game slowly over the course of that first half and just kind of slowly boa constrictored Nebraska and the crowd. And the crowd just kind of never could fully get into the game. I thought the uh I thought the sequence at the end of the first half was a big one too. Nebraska had kind of hung in there despite not playing great. Uh, Creighton shooting the three well, Nebraska not shooting the three overly well. Tominaga hits a three to cut the lead to 11 with about with under five seconds left. And Stephen Ashworth gets the outlet and dribbles down the cl- down the floor with the clock winding down. And with point two on the clock, Ashworth intelligently shot fakes, gets Bryce Williams into the air and draws a foul on a three. Then, in major in a major mistake, controlling your emotions, like I just talked about, Kase Tominaga grabbed the ball and threw it into the basketball stanchion right in front of the official. And it wasn't like he threw it into the stanchion lightly and then grabbed it. No, he threw it into the stanchion and let the ball like ricochet off it and roll dead into the middle of the floor. Did it right in front of Kelly Pfeiffer, the official, and that which is ba- that's an automatic technical foul. Like if you slam the ball during, like that's going to be an automatic tee. So because of those two mistakes, Bryce Williams leaving his feet on a shot fake from Ashworth and fouling him on a three, and then Tominaga's technical foul. All of a sudden, now with .2 seconds on the clock, Stephen Ashworth gets five free throws. He makes four of them. The lead balloons from eleven to fifteen going into the half, and it felt like a big swing. And then Creighton came out in the second half and goes on a 10-4 run right away to start the second half, and and you look up, and what was an 11-point game is all of a sudden a 21-point game in a matter of just a couple of minutes. And at that point, it kind of felt like night-night, thanks for flying United, get home safe. All right, Nick Bob Podcast is powered by H&H Automotive. I want to tell you about the Onyx dealership in Omaha, located at 150th and Dodge. Onyx won the Best of Omaha number one luxury car dealer award. How about that? You win the Best of Omaha, you do your thing. Offering the industry-leading brands like BMW, Jaguar, and Land Rover. You can experience it for yourself at 150th and Dodge or online at onyxautomotive.com. That's onyxautomotive.com. Drive Onyx, the new standard. So I thought the end of the first half sequence was big, then compounded with how Creighton came out, extended the lead, and that's what good teams do when they sense like those those. I always say the the start of the second half is a you got to reestablish the complexion of the game, the tone of the game, who's in control of the game. Creighton did it, and then from that point on, it just was a slow, steady struggle in the second half for Nebraska. And again, Creighton was there was a version where Creighton could have. I, Creighton missed a lot. Creighton went four of seventeen from three in the second half. They were a lot, a lot of wide open looks. 
Creighton scored 89, and it honestly, it could have been like 110, which is just astonishing with how Nebraska had defended and, and how hard they'd played over the last, you know, 35, 40-plus games, just going back to, to last year. I mean, in Nebraska struggled mightily to score, in particular the second half. Nebraska scored 23 points total in the second half. Really, really struggled. So to, to focus on Nebraska for a second, and, and then I'll finish talking to some very uh, Creighton-specific stuff. Obviously a very frustrating loss, right? And not a good performance. There was a lot. The arena was packed. There was a lot of buzz around this game. And let's be honest, Nebraska laid an egg. And it was just surprising that that, that that team didn't play with that same edge it had kind of played with for over a year. Now, I'm not freaking out on uh, after that game, though, for, for Nebraska. I still think – I'm not moving up. I think they can be a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team. I still think they can have a good year. I'm not moving off of that. In a lot of ways, Creighton is a bad matchup for Nebraska. With how Nebraska's built defensively for everything I tried to lay out for you at the beginning of this podcast, a great three-point shooting team is going to potentially give – Nebraska problems. There aren't too many teams that have a roll threat, pick roll, lob threat, like Kalkbrenner is, that validates sinking into the lane and then have the shooters with the team IQ to space out and find them and knock them down. There aren't too many teams that are built to do to put all of the, the predicaments that, that Creighton puts you in, like Creighton is. And I just, but the, one of the things I, I thought as I was leaving that game, though, is I do think Nebraska found out that their margin for error is still pretty thin. For as much as I, I like the depth on this team, I've, I've said it before, I, I, I worry about the top-end talent on this roster. I don't know if they have a true star. And I thought you could kind of feel feel that in this game. Where like you kind of just one team had a couple of one team had Trey Alexander, Baylor Shireman, Ryan Kalkbrenner. Those guys were just gonna like do what they do and good luck stopping it. And you just felt like, okay. Who is going to make a, make something happen on the floor for Nebraska right now when they're on the ropes? Like, Derek Walker could do it last year. Even, you know, like, what they, need, they needed, like, Sam Greasel in the post, you know? Or even, like, James Palmer a couple of years ago could just go get downhill, get in a seam, get to the basket, get fouled, get a layup. Taran Petaway had a little, had a streak about, you know, nine years ago or whatever. He could just, he go make something happen. Tominaga still needs a little help. You know, he needs a staggered screen, a handoff. Like, he still needs a little help. And then the other guys are still kind of finding their way. Or they're just, you know, Alec is never going to be a guy that gets you 20, right? I love Alec. This is not, how, that's not his game. You know, Jamarcus Lawrence is never going to score 25 and just be like an ass kicker. He's going to be solid. He's going to defend. He's going to be athletic. He's never going to go get you 25 right now. And it just felt like you you needed Bryce Williams or someone to just kind of like, you know what, give me the ball, get out of the way. Or you needed a little bit more. You needed Rink Mast 
to to flex his muscles. Because did you notice at times who was guarding Rink Mass? It was Baylor Shireman was guarding Rink Mass. There's another scouting report specific defensive philosophical approach that that Greg McDermott and Creighton's willing to do. They're willing to you know kind of like adjust and say, you know what, we're going to put Baylor Shireman on Rink Mast. So Kalkbrenner doesn't have to get stretched out to the three-point line. He can plant Kalkbrenner in the lane. Shireman is going to fight him in the post a little bit and then be able to guard all the stuff on the perimeter. Like, pretty smart move by Greg McDermott. But Mast has got to be able to, come on, man, you got Baylor Shireman on you. Take him in the post, kick his ass. He couldn't do it. So, again, it's a team that, that still needs to fight their ass off defensively and just be like a 10 out of 10 with effort. The stuff you can control. And and again, I, if you listen to me, I've been like amazed at how good Nebraska's been at, in those departments over the course of really the last, you know, season and, and a half here or month. Just felt like that stuff slipped a little bit in this game. And it bit them. So now it's a big stretch for this Nebraska team. They got to get their confidence and groove back right away at Minnesota on Wednesday. Michigan State at home and then at Kansas State. That's a tough stretch. Need to find a way to win at least one of those games, ideally two of the next three games. Felt like this four-game stretch, Creighton, Minnesota, Michigan State, Kansas State, needed to try to go two and two. The most winnable game is the next one at Minnesota. So need a big, big bounce-back game for Nebraska. And for Creighton, back to Creighton for a second. Speaking of bounce-back, Creighton needed a bounce-back week after getting crushed in Kansas City by Colorado State, and they did. Back-to-back solid road wins at Oklahoma State and at Nebraska really controlled both games from start to finish. I know Okie State hung in there for a little bit in the first half, and Nebraska hung around a little bit there in the first half, but there's no doubt who was in the driver's seat of both those games. No doubt about it. Now, again, Creighton's flaws still remain, and we've been over them, and we don't need to rehash all of them. But there still is a lot to like about this team. Most notably, the computers still really like this team. Creighton is now fifth in Ken Palm. Fifth. And Creighton is fourth in the net rankings that just came out. Fifth in Ken Palm, fourth in the net. So the computers and the predictive metrics and all that stuff, like at this point, still view Creighton as a top 10 team. And I'll say, man, when you see, when those threes are falling, looks like a top 10 team to me. When the when those threes are going down, look out. Few, a couple more things with, with Creighton's personnel. First, with, with this game, I mean, we, we got to stop for a second. And I mean, uh, I tell you what, Baylor Shireman, first of all, he was uh, just a killer on Sunday in Lincoln. And I had a feeling he was going to, I just had a feeling he was going for the, I think I I told a couple people, I said, Shireman's going to go for the throat this whole game. Like, Like, I just know, I know how Baylor's built, like, emotionally and, like, in those spots, he lost last year to Nebraska. This is he's he's a Nebraska native. He was going to go in there and relish fifteen thousand people booing him and going after him, and he was going for it. But this dude, this dude's playing at a high level right now. Twenty four points against Nebraska. Twenty one against Okie State. I mean, 
three of the last four games, or four of the last five, excuse me, he's had 20 or more. He He's shooting it where you kind of anticipated him to be able to shoot it, right? He's back at, he's just under, uh, just at 38% from three. You know, his, his rebounding numbers are still really, really good. I, I just love, I loved, I told you guys before the season, when I went and watched Creighton practice, he had a way about him that I just, I, that struck me. And I was like, this dude's about to have a big year and he's having a huge one. Best player on the floor on Sunday. Trey Alexander, actually that Trey Alexander played better in, in this Nebraska game than his final stats look because just they they need his attacking and getting into the lane. Like they need him to no matter what continue to do that. Sometimes he gets a little shot happy when he gets in there. But this was a game where it was like you got to get in the lane, set the table for everyone else because Nebraska is going to collapse on penetration. You have to be more of a facilitator. And he was. He finished with five assists, had a lot of hockey assists, and he was solid. Now, he hasn't shot it great since he left Omaha, the two games in Kansas City, and then the two roadies here at Okie State, Nebraska. He's got to get that back on track, but I thought he was solid. Steven Ashworth has put together a few really good games. And I think, here, here's my, my read. I think the coaching staff had a realization with Ashworth after losing to Colorado State. And that realization is, we got to get this guy shots. He's too good of a shooter to not run sets for him and try to do things to get him shots. So against Oklahoma State and Nebraska, Creighton actually ran sets, ran special actions for Ashworth to get him shots. I don't know if they did that in the first four or five games of the season. It was more for Shireman, for Trey Alexander, for Kalk. They weren't running things for Ashworth. He was more of like a, a like a, a hey, I, I'm in the corner if you need me kind of a guy. Well, that's not, I mean, Ashworth's better than that. I, I've I said it in my last podcast that you got to remember this guy was a big time scorer and shooter last year, like ball in his hands, getting shots, and you got to tap into that. I mean, because the reality is with with, with Ashworth, he's never going to lock people up, he's never going to break people's ankles with with moves to the rim and scoring at the ten, but he can shoot that thing, like really shoot that thing. It's almost like you got to view him like he's a mini Rocky or something. Like, when he's out there, you better get him shots. It's like, I don't know, you got Randy Moss or you got Trey Palmer at Nebraska. It's like, you're going to split that guy out there? Like, I mean, a couple, five, six, seven, eight times a game, you just got to send him on a go route, throw it up to his ass. Right? Like, if you're going to play Trey Palmer, like, you better send him on some nine routes and throw it 60 yards into the air. You can play Steven Ashworth 30 minutes a game. You better, you better get him shots. You better look for him. You better run shit for him. You better get him shots. And I think the, I think the coaching staff has, has had a concerted effort in trying to get him looks. And I, and I, I think it's translate. I think it's gotten Steven Ashworth. I think he's playing with a little more pop to him. And he's had back-to-back double-figure games. So I like how he's played. I thought Kalkbrenner's presence at, at the rim, in particular in the second half against Nebraska, was really good. You know, his it, he finished with 13 points, 12 rebounds, 
Five of them were offensive, and then you had three blocks and tons of other shots altered. I still think Creighton needs to get him the ball in the post more often and just get him the ball around the rim more often. I mean, five field goal attempts isn't enough. And when you look at it, overall, Kalkbrenner's taking one less field goal attempt per game, but he's gone from taking, I think last year was, I, I should pull it back up, he was taking point zero point six threes a game, so basically like no threes a game, to now he's taking like a little over two per game. So in all reality, he's taking like three fewer legitimate shots a game. Does that make sense? Like, so he's taking one less field goal attempt a game, but he's taking two more threes a game. And so what I'm getting at is like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I will say as I'm taping this here, like I'm still a little lukewarm on Kalkbrenner shooting threes, by the way. I'm not, I don't know how much I love it. I don't mind it if he's wide open at the end of the shot clock or something, but like, I'd just so much rather have him inside, rolling to the basket, posting up. But back to the to the main point, he he was really solid in in the second half. Still need to, you know, in in all the three point stuff, which is great. It's Creighton's strength. I'm certainly not suggesting to deviate from it. They still gotta like it almost needs to be like an alarm in everybody's head. Like when that alarm goes off every 30 seconds, she needs a reminder, like, yeah, get get Kalkbrenner the ball, okay? But I thought his uh you know, 13 points, 12 rebounds, three blocks. He was solid, man. He was solid. So it was a good bounce back game for, or bounce back week for Creighton. So there you go. Little reaction pod for Nebraska, Creighton, looking at both teams, looking at the game. Just, I think I speak for a lot, just disappointed with how that game unfolded. I mean, I was fired up. Was catching, you know, I'm all over the place catching flights to get back because I just couldn't wait. I was like, oh, this game's going to be like, uh, I had this game circled. I was just, every year, you know, with how the game played out last year, it was good. you knew it was the, the start Nebraska was off to, and, and you know, Creighton was going to have revenge on their minds. You knew the crowd was going to be great. I thought it was like, man, this has the potential to be like the best game of the season. And it just kind of never really, never really got rolling. And slowly... Creighton just flex their muscles and end up just blasting Nebraska. 89 to 60. So there you go. Little bit of reaction from Creighton, Nebraska. Big shots out to Pella. Wonderful partners, loyal supporters of the podcast. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. Check out their showrooms in Omaha and Lincoln. And make sure you check out Shoot360. It is at 48th and Van Dorn and Lincoln, world's most advanced basketball training facility. Go to shoot360.com backslash Lincoln. You can schedule your official recruiting visit, which is a free one-hour workout. That's how uh, it's it's what it is. Come get, you know, free one-hour workout. Come see what it's like, man. See what it would be like if you'd become a member. And you know what? In the season, man, that's when maybe you're, you're not getting as much skill work and shots up, right? Come get your Come get 30 minutes. Come get your shots up for all you hoopers out there. Get 300 extra shots up in just 30 minutes. Do that a couple times a week going to help you and your skill level during the season so make sure you check out shoot360.com backslash lincoln as well and we'll catch you next time on the nick bob podcast a heard at sports network production